Hello, this is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad. Today is December the 25th, day 359 out of the year, and we are reading from 1 John chapter 1, verse 1 to 10. Let's begin with a reading from the Bible. God is light. We proclaim to you the one who existed from the beginning, to whom we have heard and seen. We saw him with our own eyes and touched him with our own hands. He is the word of life. This one who is life itself was revealed to us and we have seen him. And now we testify and proclaim to you that he is the one who is eternal life. He was with the Father and then he was revealed to us. We proclaim to you what we ourselves have actually seen and heard so that you may have fellowship with him. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We are writing these things so that you may fully share our joy. Living in the light. This is the message we heard from Jesus and now declare to you. God is light and there is no darkness in him at all. So we are lying if we say we have fellowship with God but go on living in spiritual darkness. We are not practicing the truth but if we are living in the light as God is in the light then we have fellowship with each other and the blood of Jesus his son cleanses us from all sin. If we claim we have no sin we are only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. But if we confess our sins to him he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness if we claim we have not sinned we are calling god a liar and showing that his word has no place in our hearts this is the word of the lord here ends the first reading now let us turn to the new living translation first john was written by john one of jesus's original 12 disciples he was probably the disciple jesus loved and along with Peter and James, he had a special relationship with Jesus. This letter was written between AD 85 and 90 from Ephesus, before John's exile to the island of Patmos. Jerusalem had been destroyed in AD 70, and Christians were scattered throughout the empire. By the time John wrote this letter, Christianity had been around for more than a generation. It had faced and survived severe persecution. The main problem confronting the church at this time was declining commitment. Many believers were conforming to the world standards, failing to stand up for Christ and compromising their faith. False teachers were plentiful and they were accelerating the church downward slide away from the Christian faith. John wrote this letter to put believers back on track, to show the difference between light and darkness, truth and error, and to encourage the church to grow in genuine love for God and for one another. He also wrote to assure true believers that they possessed eternal life and to help them know that their faith was genuine, so they could enjoy all the benefits of being God's children. For more about John, see his profile. John opens his first letter to the churches similarly to the way he began his gospel, emphasising that Christ, the word of life, is eternal. That God came into the world as human, that he, John, was an eyewitness to Jesus' life. John had lived with Jesus, having personal, physical contact with him. He knew beyond any doubt that Jesus brings light and life. As an eyewitness to Jesus' ministry, John was qualified to teach the truth about him. 
The readers of this letter had not seen and heard Jesus themselves, but they could trust that what John wrote was accurate. We are like those second and third generation Christians. Though we have not personally seen, heard or touched Jesus, we have the New Testament record of his eyewitness and we can trust that they spoke the truth about him. John writes about having fellowship with other believers. There are three principles behind true Christian fellowship. First, our fellowship is grounded in the testimony of God's word. Without this underlying strength, togetherness is impossible. Second, it is mutual, depending on the unity of believers. Third, it is renewed daily through the Holy Spirit. True fellowship combines social and spiritual interaction and it is made possible only through a living relationship with Christ. Light represents what is good, pure, true, holy and reliable. Darkness represents what is sinful and evil. The statement God is light means that God is perfectly holy and true and that he alone can guide us out of the darkness of sin. Light is also related to truth in that light exposes whatever exists, whether it is good or bad. In the dark, good and evil look alike. In the light, they can be clearly distinguished. Just as darkness cannot exist in the presence of light, sin cannot exist in the presence of the Holy God. If we want to have a relationship with God, we must put aside our sinful ways of living. To claim that we belong to him, but then to go out and live for ourselves is hypocrisy. Christ will expose and judge such deceit. Here, John was confronting the first of three claims of the false teachers. That we can have fellowship with God and go on living in spiritual darkness. False teachers who thought that the physical body was evil or worthless taught one of two approaches to behaviour. They insisted on denying bodily desires through rigid discipline or they approved of gratifying every physical lust because the body was going to be destroyed anyway. Obviously, the second approach was more popular. Here, John is saying that no one can claim to be a Christian and still live in evil and immorality. We can't love God and court sin at the same time. How does Jesus' blood cleanse us from all sin? In Old Testament times, believers symbolically transferred their sins to an animal which they then sacrificed. The animal died in their place to pay for their sin and to allow them to continue living in God's favour. God graciously forgave them because of their faith in him and because they obeyed his commandments concerning the sacrifice. Those sacrifices anticipated the day when Christ would completely remove sin. Real cleansing from sin came with Jesus, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, Sin, by its very nature, brings death. That is a fact, as certain as the law of gravity. Jesus did not die for his own sins. He had none. Instead, by a transaction that we may never fully understand, he died for the sins of the world. When we commit our life to Christ and thus identify ourselves with him, his death becomes ours. He has paid the penalty for our sins and his blood has purified us. Just as Christ rose from the grave, we rise to a new life of fellowship with him. Here John was attacking the second claim of the false teachers, that people had no natural tendency towards sin, that they had no sin and that they were then incapable of sinning. This is a lie. The false teachers refused to take sin seriously. They wanted to be considered Christians but they saw no need to confess and repent. The death of Christ did not mean much to them because they didn't think they needed it. 
instead of repenting and being purified by Christ's blood, they were encouraging sin among believers. In this life, we are always capable of sinning, so we should never let down our guard. The false teachers not only denied that sin breaks fellowship with God and that they had a sinful nature, but they also denied that their conduct involved any sin at all. That was a lie that ignored one basic truth. All people are sinners by nature and by practice. At conversion, all our sins are forgiven, past, present and future. Yet even after we become Christians, we still sin and still need to confess. This kind of confession is not offered to gain God's acceptance, but to remove the barrier to fellowship that our sin has put between us and him. It is difficult, however, for many people to admit their faults and shortcomings, even to God. It takes humility and honesty to recognise our weaknesses, and most of us would rather pretend that we are strong. But we need not fear revealing our sins to God. He knows them already. He will not push us away, no matter what we've done. Instead, he will draw us to himself. Here ends the second reading. Let us pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory, forever and ever. Amen.